Blog Talk Radio. Mark was El Presidente. I don't know what happened to our intro there. I don't know. I was standing by just waiting for the intro to happen. Well, that's live radio for you anyway. It is IndyCar season, and they are on the streets of St. Petersburg. We're going to be talking with uh, our official IndyCar contributor, also licensed vlogger who joins us every year, our favorite uh, Canadian joins us and talks with us also about IndyCar. And then, of course, we've got a lot of some talk about the NFL. What's going on in the NFL? Some big news, maybe, or just gossip. And we'll talk about that. Of course, we've got the Pacers to talk about and the uh, NBA to talk about and the MLB to talk about. So much to talk about right here on The Balance. My name is Tom Mark Wassell, President Tay. We'll be right back right here on The Balance. Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family. So the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive-through safari. Feed the animals. 
see live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Symbol Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous Pork Chop Down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Ooh, you lovely cow. Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to Geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm loud. Roar. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? All right, welcome back to the Balance. My name is Paul Mark Russell, President. Hey, time to kick things off. 917-889-8516 is my digits. Welcome aboard again, Mr. Tyson Lautenschlager. I'm never going to be able to see your last name, right? But how are you, sir? Or is this Matthew? This is Matthew, the oh, WSC. sorry, I thought we... Producer guy, oh. late night host on Z94.3 <laughs> with the overnight session. You asked oh, we for got him. Matthew you got Embry. <laughs> Our official IndyCar contributor, Matthew Embry. I guess uh, now we have Tyson. See, see things are coming. Things are coming together. Uh, Tyson, now Tyson's with us. How are you, Tyson? Good morning, Tom. How are you? Hey, welcome back to 2019, guys. We got our IndyCar team on board. We've got Matt, uh, Matthew Embry from WSPT up in South Bend, our official IndyCar contributor, and Tyson Lautenschlager, which I just got done saying that I will never, ever be able to learn how to say your last name. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna make 2019 the year of Tyson. Uh, but our our favorite Canadian, and of course from OnPitRoad.com to talk some IndyCar with us. Guys, we are we are ready to go. We'll start with you, Tyson, because I want to just kind of get your thoughts about just sentiments and just uh, as we begin 2019, and let's remember a little bit about Robert Wickens and his terrible accident that he was in, still not quite able to get into a race car. What do we know about him? Obviously very tight with your with – your, uh, uh, guy up there in Canada, James Hinchcliffe, and we love James on this show as well, but just a, a 
just a rough year, 2018, with Robert Wickets. Let's reflect a little bit about what happened, what do we know, and where we're, where we're going with that. Uh, go ahead, Tyson. Well, yeah, of course, it's uh, it was definitely a, a rough end of the year for Robert Wickens, especially after starting so strong. And, and he started so strong at St. Petersburg, where we start uh, IndyCar this weekend. Um, so it's really fitting to see that he's actually back at the racetrack this weekend. He's uh, He did an autograph session yesterday, spoke to the media. He had a, a segment on Good Morning America yesterday where he talked about uh, his recovery and the accident. And he was saying in that segment, actually, that the two things are most important to him. He obviously wants to be able to walk at his wedding, which is coming up uh, this year, I believe, in September. And then uh, he wants to be back in a car for 2020 in IndyCar. And uh, one thing he spoke of in his media session yesterday as well uh, was watching Alex Sinardi in the Rolex 24 this year and seeing that it is possible to overcome uh, horrific injuries and get back in a race car it might take a little bit of time but as we also know sam schmidt said that seat is open for him whenever he wants it whenever he can get back in it so i mean right now it's all about recovery for uh for robert wickens and he's been making um i'd say pretty good progress considering where he was uh in the hospital in august he's now able to walk and and obviously he's going through therapy and it is uh quite the long road but he's able to walk a little bit he's uh doing um cycling in the gym and uh he's getting closer and closer we even saw a video he posted this week of him walking up the steps onto uh onto an airplane to get to st petersburg so uh it's been a long road and he's not done that road yet to recovery but he's definitely uh starting to to get closer and closer Oh, absolutely. And I tell you what, I, I am just cheering for that team, Sam Schmidt. And we'll go to you uh, real quick, Matthew Embry. Uh, Matthew, I mean, if anybody understands what Robert Wickens is actually literally going through is uh, Sam Schmidt. Uh, Matthew, what are your thoughts on Sam Schmidt uh, racing, uh, Robert Wickens? And then we'll go ahead and get into our talk about St. Petersburg because IndyCar starts off this weekend. But just just a great story. Go ahead, uh, Matthew. Good to see Wickens, uh, you know, back on his feet again, because I thought after an incident like that, I thought he would be paralyzed for life, considering how the severity of the accident, and obviously thinking back to what happened to his team boss at Orlando in 2000 when he was paralyzed from the neck down. The fact that he is now walking, even though it is with assistance with the walker, I think is impressive in its own right. And let's face it, I mean, this is uh, – Impressive stuff. Now, whether or not he gets in a race car again uh, still is a question mark, but I think uh, considering the progress he's made, it's uh, greatly impressive. And uh, But uh, I think at the same time, though, you look at team, a uh, lot of question marks. Uh, can James Hinchcliffe bounce back from his DNQ at Indy? Uh, can Marcus Erickson be a contributor right away? And then, of course, uh, you have the other things possibly. If Boreal Servia gets a ride for Indy, how will he be effective? And then also, uh, will Meyer Shank racing, if one or two cars show up for Indy, uh, how will they fare? So there's going to be a lot on uh, Smith's plate this year. I'll be very curious to see uh, how he handles things, especially when he could be supporting as many as five cars uh, for the Indy 500. Well, you mentioned Marcus Harrison as well. Uh, so we'll go ahead. Let's go ahead. Let's get into IndyCar. Let's, let's get some 
let's get some amen. IndyCar is back. NASCAR has been up for a couple weeks here. And I know, Tyson, I know you cover NASCAR as well. We'll get your thoughts on some NASCAR. But right now, let's bask in the moment that IndyCar is back. And we're, we're ready to start racing here in Indianapolis. Obviously, uh, this is where, where, where our flagship uh, our, uh, uh, come, if you will, high atop the studios in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, Indiana. We are just we just love IndyCar here in Indianapolis, but we love IndyCar period. Matthew, we'll start with you. Let's get a preview of St. Petersburg in the twenty nineteen season. I know last week you broke down the uh twenty nineteen bracketology. You've made some moves around on that, but let's get started. St. Petersburg this weekend, Matthew. Can we get an amen? Well, it's good stuff, obviously, and uh, interesting uh, who topped the uh, time charts this day in practice. Uh, it, it was Andretti Autosport, but it wasn't Alexander Rossi. It was Ryan hunter Ray, uh, the 2014 champion. Uh, impressive stuff, certain. well, 2013, well, oh, yeah, 2012 champion, 2014 Indy 500 champion. I'll get that right for you. But uh, for a lot of people thinking uh, hunter Ray was starting to get past uh, hitting his peak and maybe on the downside, uh, maybe showing that uh, he's having a resurrection for 2019. Uh, solid runs for him. And then you also have a bunch of unknowns. Uh, Colton Herta was quick yesterday. Max Chilton was quick. Charlie Kimball's quick, possibly showing a sign that Carlin's going to be effective in year two. And, of course, uh, don't forget, uh, Carlin uh, adds the services for the races, Kimball won't run with Pato Award. He was announced a couple of days ago, so a uh, lot to look forward to for Carlin. And uh, Penske is still well within range. But uh, you look at some of the other players, uh, got to say, a brutal opening for uh, Dragon Speed and Ben Hanley, uh, not only four seconds off the pace for uh, Ryan hunter Ray, but two seconds off the next slowest car in the field. So uh, very uh, trial by fire for Ben Hanley and Dragon Speed for sure like to see them uh, be able to pick up the pace uh, today uh otherwise i think maybe indycar needs to look at maybe saying you know what maybe we need to find a more experienced driver for this car maybe ben needs to get a little more open wheel experience as he hasn't been an open wheel car for seven eight years so this team could be more competitive because you'd love to see a team like this uh, with elton julian's ties uh, be successful in indycar but uh, they certainly have not got to a good start this weekend tyson lodzlager uh Tyson, help me out here, buddy. Just just help a brother out. I, for two years now, we've been struggling with your last name. Am I getting closer, getting it right? You know, you're pretty much right on. I, I'm going to give it to you. I'll <laughs> say that. Hey, because you know what, what? What's even harder for me to say than your last name, and that's the NTT IndyCar uh, racing season. Have you got that to roll off your tongue yet? And what are your thoughts about St. Petersburg? NTT start of the IndyCar season. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be saying Verizon for at least uh, at least till the Indy 500, <laughs> I think. Um, but I would say um, the one guy that I'm really keeping my eyes on this year uh, is Felix Rosenquist, uh, obviously taking over the seat for Ed Jones in the number 10 for uh, mm-hmm. Chip Ganassi Racing, and he is an extremely talented driver. We've seen a lot from him when he was in the Indy Lights ranks, and then he moved over uh, the last couple of years and was running Formula E. And without very much experience in those cars, he was winning races. Uh, yesterday, he led the, the practice starts in session one, 
Uh, didn't have as much speed in the second session, but to me, what I see there is a driver that maybe we could see a similar performance that we saw from Robert Wickens last year when we had a rookie who didn't quite get to victory lane but was fast pretty much everywhere we went, whether it was an oval or a road course or a street course, what have you, Wickens was fast. And I think we could see the same thing out of Rosenfist. Obviously, he has the uh, the equipment in a Ganassi car. He's got a really great teammate in Scott Dixon to lean on. And that's really one guy that I'm taking a close eye on. Matthew, let's talk a little bit about uh, what's going on engineering-wise, and we'll get uh, more into the technical part of it a little bit later on as we get into the season. But we uh, let's talk a little bit about the 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 uh, downforce, and just, let's just talk let's talk tech, if you will, uh, Matthew. For those of us that like to talk tech uh, with IndyCar, what are some of the changes that are going on, and what are some of the things that if you're a tech fan or a a, a a spec fan or an engineer fan of IndyCar, what can you look well, at? Well, hopefully the cars will be a little bit quicker now, a little bit more stable now that they have a year plus uh, with this new aero package. Also curious to see how this uh, protective safety device that's now on the front of the car, right in front of the driver's face, uh, how that affects things as far as safety concerns uh, with all the situations that have happened in the recent months and, of course, the Unfortunately, the fatal accidents that claimed uh, drivers such as Justin Wilson, for instance. Uh, so it'll be very curious to see how that uh, improves competition, especially at some of these uh, oval tracks where especially uh, we were expecting, you know, it to be easier to pass like in years past. And unfortunately, uh, kind of failed to deliver on that, uh, especially at the Indianapolis 500. But uh, I'd say right now it'll be interesting to see how the cars run. Uh, we had a 60.8 lap run by Ryan Hunter-Ray. Of course, they bring in the red spec tires uh, today. Will they break the one-minute barrier today? Don't know. Possibility that that could be in play as far as qualifying, but uh, it should be very interesting to see uh, how things go uh, when we get to uh, race day and uh, how the competitive these cars are because uh, especially getting through that first turn is going to be key with uh, this weekend. As you'd hate to see the season start with a big crash in the opening turn of the opening lap of the season. We're joined by Matthew Embry of uh, <laughs> WSVT up in South Bend, and I am so sorry about my voice. I guess I shouldn't have spent last night with uh, Paul Moles and a, and a uh, uh, PSB uh, whiskey, the new whiskey. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I did, <clears throat> but you would think that's what I did with my voice. So I'm struggling, and I appreciate you guys helping me out. Matthew Embry of WSVT up in South Bend uh, joins us, our official IndyCar contributor. And actually, John, one in- thing I want to get to, <clears throat> and I want to get Ty involved in this, uh, Ty, what are your thoughts on, you know, the Canadian TV situation? A lot of situations, a lot of Canadian fans upset that, uh, you know, Sportsnet has pulled back on pull covering IndyCar. There really isn't an IndyCar provider uh, for the series right now. I mean, how, from your perspective, I mean, how frustrating is it, you know, the hoops to have to jump through for, as a Canadian, you know, for the Canadian fans to be able to cover, follow races uh, in 2019? Yeah, it's extremely frustrating because uh, this is something that we've kind of been seeing a lot of in Canada lately uh, with our racing coverage, obviously, with the collapse of uh, the Speed Channel several years ago and the move to Fox Sports 1. Um, Watching NASCAR has been a little bit uh, more inaccessible. Uh, And then even as far as uh, NBC taking over uh, NASCAR uh, coverage there, uh, we've gotten less coverage as well. Like we have uh, TSN... um, 
covering NASCAR, but it's still they, they only cover so much. So we've had a little bit of difficulty there. And then uh, now with this news that Sportsnet is not going to be quite as accessible and um, some of it's going to be online and uh, there's only one channel that they're going to be showing the races on and it's one of the, the channels that's not a part of the regular um, package that Sportsnet offers. So you have to pay extra basically just to watch IndyCar um, and if you're like me, and, and that's really the only thing that you would be watching on Sportsnet, like you can watch hockey on the regular channels. You don't need to watch the premium channels to get hockey or, or even uh, Premier League or whatever you want to watch. So to get that, that IndyCar coverage, you have to have the, the premium channels. And is it really worth it just for, for one channel? And I don't really know. So it's um, the, the coverage in Canada racing-wise is really – diminished quite a bit in the last few years and it's really disappointing to see this uh unfortunately it's not a surprise either um and right now uh as of right now the the opening race for the indycar season at saint pete isn't even being shown on tv here so if you want to watch indycar you have to kind of have uh either ulterior motives and go another route um and and go with something that the tv (laughs) packages uh, don't want you to do or you have to um, buy into Sportsnet's uh, online Sportsnet Gold, I think is what they call it, just to watch the race. Um, and that's really not worth it for a monthly subscription on the side of a TV subscription. So I think you'll see either a lot of Canadian fans fall the wayside and not watch IndyCar this season, or they're going to be uh, like me and maybe not watch on TV and find uh, ulterior, uh, alternative ways to do it and maybe – to streaming. Uh, Tyson, I know know you're calling us up from uh, Toronto. Uh, You're our favorite Canadian. Uh, But uh, I mean, can I just ask a stupid question here? If I don't know. And and again, this is a stupid question because I really don't know the answer to this, but is Verizon not available in, in uh, uh, Canada? If it is people who have Verizon, can download the IndyCar app and they can watch the race right there. Is that a problem yeah, or is that? Go ahead. It is. Verizon is not a, is not a provider here in Canada. And actually uh, the last time I checked, um, which was probably at some point last year, that IndyCar app is also not accessible in Canada. Interesting. Interesting. Good, good conversations. And we'll, we'll monitor that. Uh, Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, walk us through the Firestone Grand Prix of St. Petersburg. Uh, walk us through the track. Obviously qualifications are today. Uh, pre, uh, the race is tomorrow. And uh, man, I'm just excited to, to have IndyCar back on. We've got IndyCar and NASCAR. My God, it's good to be a race fan in 2019. But let's let's talk a little bit about the track of uh, Firestar uh, of, of of St. Petersburg Street Course and 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 uh, Tyson. You're very familiar with street courses. Uh, obviously, if they're in Toronto, your home uh, course is a is a street course. Uh, here in Indy, is a an oval course. We 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 talked a little bit about last week. Uh, uh, Matthew, we talked a little bit about the different types of courses between Road Street and uh uh oval and but this is a true street court course race 
in St. Petersburg, obviously the home of Dan Weldon, and we remember him every year uh, as as this race happens. St. Petersburg, talk, walk us around the track. Well, obviously the key thing is, I mean, it's a mix of airport runway on the front straightaway because it's part of the St. Petersburg Regional Airport and also, you know, the taxiways and some of the back roads around there. So you're going to have your un- changes in surface from concrete to asphalt. You're going to have your bumps and stuff like that. I'd be curious to see how things were. I think meant they had to put a temperature can, I think, one year uh, because the track tore up so bad in turn three and four. Hopefully they don't have to do that this year uh, because that just makes it tougher to be able to pass heading into four uh, down this, that little short straightaway. Obviously, big chance to get through and turning on the Dan Weldon way, another place to pass and not break is that turn nine. And then uh, getting toward that uh, hairpin and getting through that chicane with good speed and getting through that hairpin possibly to either pass there or set up a run uh, down the main straightaway is uh, absolutely critical uh, to be able to gain ground if you don't get a good qualifying time. But uh, then we get to qualifying, and obviously uh, the same rules apply. Uh, you have two sessions, but two, 12 cars each, top six from each section advance to the second phase, and then the, obviously then the field's cut in half again down to the Firestone Fast Six, which will determine the pole, and then that will determine the uh, starting field uh, for Sunday. And uh, – Again, uh, you want to have a good grid position here because even though, yeah, the possibility for a first lap crash is in play here, but you want to be able to control your own destiny. So if a crash does happen, you have a chance to be able to avoid it and uh, stay out of trouble. And uh, if you start near the back, the possibility of getting swallowed up in an accident uh, certainly is in play. But, uh, again, I think there is a very limited margin for error because outside of uh, Hanley, on the list, you look from first through 23rd in the combined practice session times, Tom, difference of just 1.2 seconds. So if you don't bring your A game, you are going to be well back on the starting grid. And, I mean, you could see potentially some of the Penske guys back, could even see a coin car back there because Sebastian Bourdais, who's won this race twice, only was 18th on the timesheets out of 24. Another guy, Pagano, was only 17th on the list. And, uh, even if Scott Dixon was only 13th. So, again, Andretti's up there, but you also have some new players. And it's, as far as Chevrolet, it's not necessarily, you know, Penske that's flying the flag. Right now you have Spencer Piggott in P2 for Ed Carpenter Racing, a team that's not known as a road course team. And then you have a team, Carlin, that uh, had some flashes but is not necessarily what you would consider a key player yet or consistent front runner. So, it's going to be a very interesting session today uh, looking to uh, qualification to see how this grid lines up. We could see a complete change of things, again, considering how close the field is from top to bottom, with the exception, obviously, of Ben Hanley with the Dragon Speed car. We're joined by Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, and Tyson Lossenjager of OnPitRoad.com, uh, two people that I lean on for racing that make me look good and smart on this show. Tyson, talk with us a little bit about St. Petersburg uh, and what are you looking for this weekend uh, on, on the streets of St. Petersburg? Well, what I'm thinking we're going to see from St. Pete, you know, obviously, as, as Matt pointed out, we have a, a really close uh, field right now. Those First 23 cars are there's not a lot of uh, gap in speed there, so I think we we have a, a, the ability to see a really close race. But I think right now uh, Honda seems to have the upper hand at the moment. 
of course, it is only one day into the weekend, and and things can change as far as uh, today and tomorrow goes. But right now, I see the Hondas showing a little bit more speed than Chevy right now. Team Penske seems to be a little bit behind, um, but I think that can be improved on. And and the thing with these street courses is with the surface changes, which we see here in Toronto and then as well as St. Pete, Long Beach, it really makes things interesting for the drivers and poses a bit of a challenge. Uh, I think a little bit of experience always helps here, but at the same time, we saw um, we saw last year Robert Wickens do extremely well with no experience. Um, I really think right now the Andretti cars are showing uh, the most speed. Ryan Hunter Ray obviously leading in practice yesterday. Alex Rossi uh, winning this race last year. I think if you're if you want to win this race, those are the the, the drivers you have to kind of go through. Those are the guys you got to beat. Well, let's go Ty, look at it from this ahead, standpoint, man. Ty. Uh, I mean, if you're going by the Wickens factor, does that bode well for, obviously, the guy that would come to mind if that would be a Colton Herta? Does that mean that Colton Herta has a realistic chance this weekend? I would say Colton Herta has a chance. I, I To me, I really think uh, he's not quite there yet. And I think that the, the rookie driver that we should be looking at as the um, the Robert Wickens of the year if, if you want to call him that, I would say is uh, Felix Rosenqvist. I think he is extremely talented and is extremely underrated and is probably not going to be as talked about as he should be this year because I think a lot of the focus is going to be placed on Colton Herta because of the name Herta and what he's done in Indy Lights and, and the ride he has now. And then uh, Marcus Erickson is going to be talked about quite a bit uh, being the new uh, Schmidt-Peterson driver, however, I just don't see a whole lot out of him either. We didn't really see a lot out of him in Formula One, and I know he was, you know, not necessarily driving, you know, top-grade equipment, but he was also outperformed by his teammates quite a bit in F1. If you look at uh, his first few years when he and um, Felipe Nasser were both rookies, and Nasser was head and shoulders above Ericsson. I was surprised, honestly, at how long... Erickson stayed in Formula One because I just really didn't see a whole lot out of him. I don't expect all that much out of him in IndyCar this year. Maybe he'll surprise me. Um, but I really think people are sleeping on uh, Rosenquist. Tyson, I know uh, we, I don't know how long we've got you for. I don't know if you can stay for another half hour or so, but I do, did want to make sure that we uh, talk with you about Fernando Alonso. Obviously, returning back to the Indianapolis 500, not not as big of an excitement as it was when he was here a couple of years ago, but still, Fernando Alonso back in IndyCar, I'll tell you what, that's big news. Can we read into the tea leaves about that at all? Uh, I don't think so. I think this is just a driver who wants to um, to to run all the big races and get that opportunity. I think if he, you know, as far as reading the tea leaves, I don't think we're going to see him ever do a full-time IndyCar season. I think that's sort of past now. I think if that was going to happen, it would have been uh, this year, and we, we obviously are seeing that's not the case. Uh, I think we'll see him back. Obviously, we know he's back for the Indy 500 this year. I think we probably will see him back again next year, but I think we're going to see him continue to run these big races, run these uh, Rolex 24s at Daytona, run the... Uh, the, the 24 hours of Le Mans, which we saw him uh, obviously win last year. This is just something that he wants to to check off the bucket list, I think, and run these big races. And when Tyson, I, 
Tyson, can you stick around with us? We're going to be talking racing for another half hour. Can you stick around or do you got to go? Yeah, I can stick around. Sweet. I love it. Tyson and, and Matthew, uh, obviously both IndyCar contributor. Uh, real quick, Tyson, uh, because we're not going to get into much NASCAR talk today because it is opening weekend of IndyCar. But NASCAR, great, uh, great uh, win by Denny Hamilton uh, out, out in, in the Daytona 500. Great win by uh, Brad Kowalski. Uh, let's talk a little bit. Uh, just kind of give us a, a, a peek into NASCAR. You cover that as well for onpitroad.com. Just give us our NASCAR fix for the weekend. Well, the the one thing that's been obviously heavily talked about this year is um, the the new rules package for NASCAR. And we, we're seeing a new, uh, new package as far as how um, there are arrow ducks on the cars and that's supposed to be making the, ro- uh, the racing a little bit closer, which, I mean, I think if you look at it, Atlanta, it, you didn't really see the, the effects of the, uh, the new rules package at Las Vegas. You sort of saw it in more so in practice than anything. It didn't show up as much in the race. I think people expected um, pack racing. And I think a lot of people also expected a lot of cautions and, and these crazy restarts. We didn't see any cautions in Las Vegas aside from the two stage breaks. Yet we still saw um, one of the closest finishes that Las Vegas has ever produced uh, in uh, Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski battling it out. At the end of the race, we saw a few lead changes in Las Vegas, uh, more lead changes than we normally see in Atlanta. So this rules package is changing the racing a little bit, not a whole lot. Uh, however, it is only a few races in, and, and this weekend at ISM Raceway, uh, that rules package really won't be in play at all, uh, just because of the, the track. It's only a one-mile track. Um, so I think if the people that don't like that rules package can tune in this week, and and they won't really see the effects of that. Um, uh, ISM Raceway, uh, so far, it seems like the, the Penske cars are showing a lot of speed this year. Uh, obviously, Logano uh, winning last week at Las Vegas, uh, Brad Kozlowski winning at Atlanta. And then you look at this weekend, and Ryan Blaney's on the pole. So, so far, so good for the Penske uh, drivers. We'll see what happens this weekend. Well, I tell you what, I love a double weekend of, of uh, NASCAR and IndyCar, and I'll be doing my, my share of that. Uh, let's go ahead and get back into IndyCar. Matthew Embry, WSVT, our official IndyCar contributor. We're also joined by Tyson Lotensucker of VermontPitRoad.com. Both of these guys are experts in the field of racing, but let's go ahead and get into the stables, if you will. We'll start with Penske uh, 2019. Give us a, a glimpse into how uh, 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 Penske, uh, Penske is certainly well-known in NASCAR and IndyCar. Uh, but Matthew, let's start with them and we'll, we'll kind of work our way through the stables between the two of you over the next uh, 30 minutes or so and try to get an understanding of the 2019 look of these stables. We'll start with Pinsky. Go right ahead, uh, Matthew. I think right now the fact that none of the Penske cars are near the top of the stand, you can just throw that fact out. They will. One of those four drivers, I think, is the favorite to win the championship. They are the favorite to win the Indy 500. Uh, I think eventually, if they even if they get up to a slow start, which is customary for them over the last few years, especially in the case of willpower, they'll get their act together and they will be near or at the top of the stands. I'd say by or after the Indianapolis 500, and then from there, uh, I think for the rest of the teams, it's a catch me if you can. 
And I'd say right now, uh, if you're looking at uh, situations right now as who is the favorite to win the championship right now, uh, I got to put my uh, money behind Will Power. I think he has not only shown now that he is the ace on road courses, he is the ace equally so on the ovals and not just the short ovals, but he can also do it on the high speed ovals as he proved uh, this past May at the Indianapolis 500. So uh, I think Will Power is in position to win a second title this year, and I would not be surprised. Uh, well, actually, I would be very surprised if he doesn't win the title this year. Let's talk a little bit, Tyson. Let's talk a little bit about Pippa Man. As we as we know, breaking news, uh, she'll be back in the Indianapolis 500. Certainly, uh, no stranger to Indy. She's a one uh, a one horse show, a one pony show. I don't know how they can do this all by themselves, uh, but certainly a great story behind Pippa Man uh, and her racing in the Indianapolis five five hundred. Uh, and uh, Brian's father as well, uh, being the the team owner there. But uh, let's talk a little bit about that combination and how it came together with Pippa Man at the Indianapolis 500 this year. Yeah, I, I don't want to be the, the negative here, but I, I really think this is going to be a difficult uh, run for this team. This is obviously um, Pippa Man only really runs the Indy 500 each year. Maybe she'll go out and, and run at Pocono or or um, one of the other high-speed oval tracks. But really, for the most part, she kind of just sticks to Indy. And, and I think that kind of hurts her every year in her attempt at Indy. Uh, and this year, what's going to hurt even more is being with a, a really unexperienced team. This team doesn't compete in IndyCar. And usually, she at least gets to run with Dale Coyne's team, where they, they, have, where they run the full year every year. Uh, this year isn't going to be the case. She's with uh, with uh, the Clawson team, and they don't have this experience. I think, honestly, I'm putting putting it out there right now that as long as we get more than 33 cars, which I think we will, because uh, we confirmed uh, today actually that James Davison is going to be the 33rd entrant in the in the 500. So I think as long as we get more than 33 cars, uh, you can put Tiffa Man out. She's not going to make the Indy 500 this year. Matthew, let's let's talk to that point that that uh, that Tyson just brought up. We saw a very interesting scenario play out last year, and good friend of the show, and we like James, and and uh, certainly I've been talking with James since he was in the Indy Car Indy Lights series, and and uh, certainly one of those people that can you can go up to, and he knows exactly who you are, and you know exactly who he is, and it was it was to me personally just because he's a friend of mine and just because he's been on the show and just because he's a great guy to me personally, it was gut wrenching. And you were right there with us too. When we saw that happen, when we saw James Hinscliffe uh, get bumped from the Indy 500, can Peppa man create a scenario like that again, even if it's not for James Hinscliffe, but for somebody else, because we saw Peppa do very well at qualifying last year at the Indianapolis 500. I'll take a look at my big board and see the drivers who are in the danger zone right now. Uh, for instance, last guy I have in is Jack Harvey, who is with Meyer Shank. Uh, J.R. Hildebrand is 32nd on my list. Uh, Santino Ferrucci, who's a full-time regular with Dale Coyne. Uh, Colton Herta is 30. Obviously, I'd say if he has a good run this weekend, I'm going to have to move him up. But uh, then look who also would start dropping into like row 10, a guy like uh, Connor Dale. Andretti Gallowsport. Uh, mm-hmm. The situation is just ripe with 
possibilities that somebody good is going to be left out, especially if some of these, you know, like say the guys like a Jordan King has a good run and knock moves up. Maybe an RC year so gets that second Yule Coast ride and moves up the list. Someone big is going to bite the dust. It's always going to happen. That's how you have it with this, with the fastest 33. Not that that's a bad thing. That's part of race. That's just the brakes of racing and getting the best drivers in the field. Sometimes it's not the most popular name that gets in because of that. But the fact of the matter is it ensures that it's a competitive field and it's a strong field. And, you know, this situation, I think Ty agree, will agree with me, is that with situations like this, you're always going to have a scenario where someone big is going to get left out. It's always been the case at Indy, and I don't think it's going to change when we get to May here in a couple months. Tyson, I, I don't know about you, but I am totally okay with a, a real true bump day. I mean, again, going oh, yeah. back to what I just said, going back to what I just said, it could have happened to a nicer guy with James Hinscliffe. I mean, and, and obviously fellow Canadian, and you follow him <laughs> quite extensively. But, my God, I don't care who it happens to. And that sounds bad because uh, I want everybody to, to be able to qualify for the Indianapolis 500. But a true bump day, that just gives you goosebumps. And let's see what happens. You talked a little bit about Dale, Dale Coyne when you were talking about Pippa Man. Let's talk about DCR Racing 2019. What are your thoughts, Tyson? Well, I think uh, DCR could be in for a, a pretty strong year, and I think they have two drivers that are pretty secure with them this year, which we don't often see out of Dale Coyne. Sometimes, you know, the last few years we've seen Sebastian Bourdais, and we know he's going to be there. We know he's going to be there all year. But in the last, you know, four or five years, we've seen uh, a revolving door of drivers uh, in the in the second car. We've seen... Carlos Huertas, we've seen Santino Ferrucci, we've seen uh, a lot of different drivers over these last few years, but I think Ferrucci um, right now, as long as funding doesn't run dry, it seems like he's probably going to be in that 19 car all year, and while a lot of people have uh, their own preconceived uh, thoughts about Santino Ferrucci for uh, past incidents that happened in racing, um I think Ferrucci is a, a really talented driver, and I think he could uh, maybe help elevate that second car because we see each year the the 18 car is the team's lead car, and it runs really well with Bourdais, and then uh, the 19 is pretty far behind. But I think maybe having a driver consistently in that car, uh, Ferrucci could do well on a more consistent basis. The only thing is, and Matt kind of touched on it, when it comes to the Indy 500, uh, Perucci is very uh, he's he's untested in, on high speed ovals, and that could be a challenge. But then again, Zach Clayman Demello last year got in that car, got in that seat just before the uh, the Indy 500, and and I think a lot of people were thinking Clayman mm, Demello, not a lot of Indy car experience, not uh, was not expected to be in this car for the 500. He's going to really struggle. He's not going to be able to qualify or make the field. And not only did he qualify, there was really no concern there. He he easily got in the field. So um, I think if Ferrucci has a good uh, couple weeks in Indy when when uh, practice happens, then he could actually uh, stand a fair chance uh, at, at running well in the Indy 500 and qualifying. 
Talking with Matthew Emery, WSBT, our official IndyCar contributor on pitroad.com, uh, writer and contributor uh, Tyson Lonsliger from up in Canada who t- covers both NASCAR and IndyCar. Both guys are, are certainly experts in the racing field as we kick off the NTT IndyCar Racing Series. Let's start with you, Matthew. Let's try to get through all of these stables if we can over the next few minutes here. Chip Canassi Racing 2019, what say you? I think right now, uh, Scott Dixon, the question is how many more years is left in him. I think he still has the possibility to maybe win one or two championships. And then, of course, the question is about the heir apparent to Scott Dixon's Felix Rosenquist. How long is it going to take him to be, you know, the competitive driver that we all think he can be? I mean, a lot of my expert friends say that he could be the next superstar in this series, maybe the next Kenny Breck. Obviously, the Sweden ties there. Uh, Andretti Autosport. Uh, you have a good debut run for Hunter Ray in practice. Rossi's up there, even Marco Andretti. Big question in my mind, though, is if you're talking about guys on the hot seat looking toward, you know, the next round of silly season, one guy I think that has really got to prove himself this year is Zach Beach. Uh, disappointed in year one with Andretti was way off the pace of his teammates in practice yesterday. I'd say if there is one guy that needs to get his act together, uh, Zach Beach's name is on the top of the list. And then, obviously, uh, what about Carlin? Uh, is this team legit? And I'd say you could say the same thing about Harding Steinbrenner. Are those two teams going to be, you know, the teams that we think well, on paper that could be, you know, the X factors that maybe surprise people? Tyson, let's go to Ed Carpenter Racing, obviously Indy-based here in Indianapolis. Uh, we've seen some changes with him over the last couple of year, years. Certainly one of the biggest changes that we'll notice in 2019 is the lack of fuzzy uh, vodka on the Ed Carpenter car. But let's talk a little bit about Ed Carpenter because he's, a, he's an owner that, that runs a driver for the street courses and runs a driver for the road courses and runs a driver himself as the oval course driver. And of course, with the Indianapolis 500, they try to field, I think they're going to field three cars this year. I could be wrong about that, but they're going to field at least two cars. Ed Carpenter Racing, what are your thoughts, sir? I think this is a really big year for Ed Carpenter Racing. Uh, in the in the years past, when when Ed was uh, running just you know one or two one car, and and then the the years uh, when Joseph Newgarden ran, they they saw a lot more success, and they haven't quite gotten there yet with Spencer Piggott. But I think what we've seen uh, last year was Spencer Piggott really improved quite quite a bit, and I, I think this could be the year that if, if things go right, if Chevy's strong enough, if this team can just get things moving in the right direction. We could see Spencer Piggott break through and, and win a race, maybe uh, definitely get on the podium a few times. And I think this is also a really big year for Ed Jones. Obviously he's not going to get to run the full year. Uh, he didn't quite get the, the results he wanted with um, Chip Ganassi racing last year, though I personally think he got handed a, a quite an unfair shake at it. You know, he was given one year in top equipment and uh, it just, it also, he was kind of sitting on the back burner to Scott Dixon. I don't think he was handed quite the opportunity he deserved. Um, so I think if Ed Jones can have a good year, and obviously there's the partnership between Skadir, uh, between Corsa and and, uh, and Ed Carpenter Racing. So I think if, if Ed Jones can have a good year, that would be uh, really optimal for him. Obviously we're seeing him run on the, the street course in St. Pete this weekend. And, uh, he's been okay this weekend. He hasn't shown quite the speed that, that Spencer Pickett has shown, but 
Uh, I think this is a really important year for this team. I think also this could be the year that I, I really think it's time for Ed Carpenter to think about maybe stepping down and, and just let have have this team have two full-time drivers because I think that would really help them. I think the last few years we haven't seen Ed Carpenter do a whole lot on the ovals. And in fact, I think he's actually been in the way a little bit in the races that he's run on these ovals. So I think it's time for uh, for him to put the owner hat on and, and maybe try to find two full-time drivers. Matthew, we've talked about this before, and, and I know, Tyson, you and I have talked about that very same thing with Tony Stewart and other uh, BK and, and other owner drivers. Uh, you can speak to that as well, but uh, also not necessarily owner driver, but Graham Rahal, uh, a friend of the show, we we enjoy talking to him when they're here in Indianapolis and we get a chance to talk with him. Uh, and he's Graham Rahal, but of course his father is, knows very well what it means to be an owner driver. Talk to us a little bit about Graham Rahal and about that owner-driver scenario, uh, Matthew, as you see it. Well, I think right now the best thing I think they could do is I think Ed Carpenter is still competitive at Indy. Just give him his own car and let Piggott and Jones run for the championship. We still saw Ed Carpenter can behold his own on ovals. I mean, he nearly won the Indy 500 last year, and he won the pole. Uh, so what I think they should have done is just have give him you know that 64 car, Give Ed Jones the full-time ride in the 20. Give Pickett the full-time ride in the 21. And give the extra car to Ed and let him do his thing on ovals where we know he can be competitive. Uh, I don't understand why they didn't do that. I thought that was this perfect scenario when that was mentioned as a rumor by Marshall Pruitt at the end of this past season. And then Ed said, no, we're not going to do it that way. Uh, but uh, you look at Ray Hall Lederman, and I think the big question in my mind is, who is the team leader on that team? Is it Graham Rahal or is it Takuma Sato? I think right now, uh, and I'd love Ty's opinion on this, I think right now if you look at the results recently, I think right now you can make a case that the number one, if there is a number one such a thing with that team, it's more like Takuma Sato than Graham Rahal. Go ahead. Chime in, buddy. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I think uh, Aku is, uh, again, one of these drivers that probably doesn't get enough credit for what he does behind the wheel. And we see him often kind of get off to a bit of a slow start and then pick it up midway through the year, usually right at right about Indy 500 time. He'll pick it up, and, and we see him improve quite a bit and, and often outrun Graham Rahal. We saw as we got to Portland last year, I don't think anyone expected Takuma Sato to be the winner of that race. Um, but he, he won the race. He didn't just luck into it. He ran well all day, all weekend and uh, showed quite a bit of strength, quite a bit of speed. And I think this is a driver that maybe people didn't expect to see stick around in IndyCar, but uh, Takuma Sato has a great fan base behind him. He is a a leader in his own right, and I think he is showing that this is, uh, even at his age, which I I could be wrong, but I think Takuma Sato is around 40, 41, 42 years old, and he can still win races. So this is a driver that, that shows leadership behind the wheel, and and it's consistently running at the same pace as his teammate and sometimes outrunning his teammate. Tyson, let's uh, go on over to Andretti Racing. Obviously, one of the biggest news is, news is if we can use that word, news out of Andretti this, this year is they're, they're going to take a shot on, on Connor Daly. Obviously, uh, 
kind of got caught up in the scandal of his father, who kind of got caught up in the scandal of, of Bob Lamy, who kind of got caught up in, in something that he said years ago. And we can we we can debate this all day long. I really feel like that both his father, both Bob Lamy, everybody involved got caught up in a scenario of situations of where we're at in our society these days. But nonetheless, Marco, uh, not Marco, but but the Andretti team says, hey, we're going to take a, a, a chance on Connor Daly. Now, I'm okay with that, and here's my hot take of the day, if you will. It's not that he I, – I am opposed to them taking a chance on Connor Daly because of his uh, father or anything like that. In fact, I'm all for it. And I'm all for the Air Force standing by him and, and continuing to, to, to move forward. What I'm not a big fan of is Connor Daly and the Oval Courses. And what I'm not a big fan of is of his historical standings with the Indianapolis 500. What I'm not a big fan of is a team like Andretti, maybe because they just wanted to fill that other car and maybe they got the money to spend and the money to lose. But Connor Daly seems like an extremely big gamble only for the Indianapolis 500, not that he's not a good race car driver, not that he doesn't deserve a shot, because certainly what we'll see Connor Daly in the, in, in the Grand Prix at Indianapolis, we'll see a completely different one in the Oval at the Indianapolis 500. Was Andretti just making a stretch to have another car in the Indy 500? What, what are your thoughts, Tyson, on, uh, on Daly and Andretti and that relationship? Well, I don't think that they were making a stretch on just trying to have another car. However, I, I do agree with you in the fact that Connor Daly is a, a really good race car driver. However, for this to be, you're only going to take him on for one race and you're going to choose the Indy 500. I get why. I mean, it's the Indy 500. It's the biggest race. But this just isn't a race that Connor Daly excels in. He's not an oval driver. He is a road course and street course driver by nature, and that's where he runs the best, and he's not going to get the opportunity to prove that in really good equipment. Uh, so it's a little disappointing to see him only get a, a one-race deal with uh, Andretti and, and for that one-race deal to just be on an oval uh, because we haven't seen uh, Connor Daly get the chance to really – perform um, in, in really great equipment. He got to do a little bit of stuff uh, with uh, Schmidt-Peterson when when um, when James Hinchcliffe was injured a few years ago. But even then, uh, I don't think SPM was quite at the standard they are now. So we still haven't had that chance to see Connor get this shot in good equipment. Now he gets it, and it's going to be in a race that I just don't see him performing all that well. Uh, I think maybe this could give him the opportunity to to scramble a few more races out of this this opportunity but I just I think there was a bit of a missed chance here I think there there could have been more done to at least put him in for the the Indy Grand Prix and and give him one more race yeah absolutely totally agree Matthew I am very we got just a little bit of time left here but a little a little bit about uh uh um uh uh, uh I'm sorry, Colton heard it earlier, but what are your thoughts on a couple teams? Uh, Meyer Shank, who's got Jack Harvey, and obviously Colton Herta, as we mentioned. Colton Herta, uh, a big name in the Indy Light Series, but is he going to be a big name in the Indy Car Series with, uh, with the Hardings as well? So those two teams, let's try to get through these stables as quick as we can. Go ahead, uh, Matthew. Uh, Jack Harvey and, and Herta, certainly they're 
prospective teams? Well, I think Harvey could be competitive on the road and street circuits. What I'm questioning, though, is their interest in possibly running two cars at Indy. Because, I mean, they struggled just to get Harvey into the field. Now there's rumors that Catherine Legg could be given a second entry for the Indy 500, uh, considering the fact that her planned deal for the 24 Hours of Le Mans is out the window now that they were the ninth alternate to get into Le Mans field, which is now probably not going to happen now. It's going to be an all-female team also that feel none of her former IndyCar driver, Nana Beatrice. So I question whether or not that's the right way to go with that. I mean, you can not only have possibly one car field. And then uh, the question right now uh, is Harding Steinbrenner going to have the funding and the patience with Colton Hurd? Remember, he is still only 18 years old, uh, still very, very raw with open-wheel cars. Uh, yes, he's been quick in testing, but again, testing and racing are two different things. I mean, we saw Jordan King rip it up in practice sessions for Ed Carpenter racing last year, and he was then non-existent on race day. So it's a, two, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, can Colton Horta be competitive? Yes. Do I expect him to win a race this year? Probably not. But will he down the road? I think he can be a competitive driver. It's just will Harding Steinbrenner have the patience to let this play out and then make things where they start getting returns. That's the only question I have with uh, the deal between uh, Herda and Harding at this point. Tyson, we're going to give you a triple play real quick here so we could get through these here over the next few minutes here. Kyle Kaiser, Junkos Racing, obviously TK, Tony Kanan, AJ Foyt Racing, Sage Karam, Dreyer, and Reinbold. Sage is another one of those uh, one-horse pony type shows, but what are your thoughts on those three teams? So the, the big one out of this that I'm really looking at is A.J. Foyt Racing. And every year we kind of see the same A.J. Foyt Racing we see them right at the bottom of the speed charts. They really don't show a lot of speed throughout the year. And I think Tony Kanaan, uh, this is going to be the year that either he decides that he'll keep going or maybe this is going to be the end for him. Because I, I don't think Tony Kanaan wants to be out there running 15th, 16th every week. The other factor that I look for in that is Mateus Weiss. And uh, he is... Uh, regarded as one of the, the top prospects in IndyCar, in IndyCar, or at least he was. When he was in Indy Lights, uh, he kind of came, I don't want to say came out of nowhere, but he wasn't a, a well-known driver, and he won uh, quite a few races and showed a lot of speed. And I think he was moved up into IndyCar a little too soon and moved up with a team that really wasn't ready to to have him. I think AJ Foyt Racing, they moved to two cars in, in what was it, like 2013, and I still don't think they're ready for it. Uh, they've really struggled with this, and, and I think this is a year for Lysa. He needs to outperform his equipment. I think he needs to, to run in the top 10 quite a bit and outperform his equipment so he can get out of AJ Foyt Racing and get in a good ride uh, because this is a really good uh, talent that is kind of being wasted here. As for uh, Sage Karam and Dreyer Reinbold, uh, I think we're going to see the same sort of deal again. They, they keep saying every year they want to eventually move up to full-time, but it's just I don't think it's the, the program is quite there uh, for them to, to come back to IndyCar on a full-time scale or even a part-time scale. I think uh, this team runs really well in the Indy 500 each year, and Sage Karam, as long as he keeps his head on the shoulders, he does quite a, a good job. Um, and I think we'll, we'll probably see the same result this year where they have a lot of speed, and they'll definitely be easily in the Indy 500. Kyle Kaiser and Junkos uh, is kind of a different story. Um, I think we saw last year, I was 
honestly surprised when Kyle Kaiser made the Indy 500. I thought that team was going to struggle. Uh, and I was almost a little bit surprised to not see them on the entry list for St. Pete. I thought we, we would see them here. Um, but I just, I, I don't know. This team still is, is going to struggle, I think. They're a part-time team, and I think it really helps to be here on a full-time basis to, to kind of find speed everywhere. Um, I, this is, they also need to stick with one consistent driver. We saw a lot of uh, different drivers shuffling around last year, Alfonso Silas being one of them, and, and then Kyle Kaiser, a couple others. So I, I think we're going to see a, a tough year from Yunkos, and I think they will probably uh, fail to make the Indy 500. Matthew, we're going to give you the final word, Charlie Kimball, Carl Racing. Uh, and then certainly uh, we need to wrap up the IndyCar session as we're going to have to get into some other sports talk, big news in the NBA and MLB and uh, certainly uh, NFL. We're going to be talking with Matthew Hicks here in just a moment. Uh, but uh, before we go there, go ahead and, and talk with us about Charlie Kimball. Obviously a great guy, uh, great, good driver. Just uh, he's a kind of ush. Uh, with Carlin Racing this year. Go ahead. Well, that is a triple-edged triple sword that could steal some spots and could turn some heads at Indy, I think. And yeah. they're showing it right now, even. I mean, Chilton was in the top five in practice yesterday. If he gets in the Firestone Fast Six, he's got a shot maybe to get a result in the Open AP and finally show the potential that a lot of people thought he could pull. Kimball, even with five race, could still be competitive. And when they, they completed the deal with Pato Award, the first thing that came to my mind was, uh, was, whoa, what could this team possibly do? I think if you talk about the guy that was the big goose, the goose with the golden eggs, Pato Award was that guy. Carlin now has him. If they have the competitive car that's similar to what Kimball's running this weekend at St. Pete, possibly at India as well, this three-car team could really, I think, turn some heads, and maybe, who knows, maybe they could get to victory lane with one of those three drivers at some point this season. Final words of wisdom, guys. We'll start with you, Tyson. IndyCar season underway. St. Petersburg, the NTT IndyCar season. Just put that post-it note on your mirror. Say it as many times as you can. But the NTT IndyCar Series 2019 is here. What are your thoughts? Well, I just want to echo uh, the one thing that, that Matt said there quickly, and, and that's that I think Pato Award is going to be extremely good with Carlin Racing. When when he made that announcement uh, the other day, I was really excited for him. Uh, to get 12 races with this team, we, we know he also turned down an eight-race deal with Andretti Autosport, and I think a lot of people were thinking, dude, what are you doing? You're turning down eight races with Andretti to probably run none this year, and then he gets this 12-race deal with Carlin. So we now know... Pato knows what he's doing. I think he's going to be uh, really good in that car. They are showing more speed, and they showed a lot more speed at the end of last year. So Carlin Racing, I hope they have a good year. I hope Pato Award has a good year. Uh, Max Chilton, Charlie Kimball in this couple of races, I think that's going to be a strong team. Uh, as for this weekend, I really think uh, Alex Rossi goes back-to-back uh, at St. Pete. Tyson Lautenschlager uh, on pitroad.com, our favorite Canadian colonist up from uh, the Toronto area. I hope you have yourself a good race weekend, and we look forward to talking with you throughout the, the race year, sir. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, Matthew Embry, real quickly, our official IndyCar contributor. Uh, well, final thoughts and words of wisdom before we got to take a break. We'll be back with Matthew Hicks. We'll be talking some Pacers, some Colts, and just 
talk about other sports other than racing for those that like things other than racing. But go ahead, Matthew. I got to say, first and foremost, uh, I think it's going to be one of the Andretti cars or one of the Chevys that could challenge. I think the big challenge is going to come from either Hunter Ray, Bossy, or maybe Marco Andretti. Maybe that would be quite a story. He could be the opener. But I think right now, uh, the best bet right now, just like uh, Ty said, is Alexander Rossi to win this. I think they'll eventually get up right there with his teammates. He'll make the fast six, and then uh, we'll wait and see. But I think if you're looking for possibly an upset pick, uh, watch out for Charlie Kimball and Colton Herta as well. Thanks, uh, uh, Matthew, and we'll be talking with you again soon throughout the, the IndyCar season. Have yourself a good race weekend, sir. Anytime, Tom. Matthew Embry and Tyson Lonslager. Tyson, obviously, from onpitroad.com, calls us from the Toronto area. Welcome aboard, guys. It is NTT IndyCar season. We'll be talking with Matthew Hicks here in just a moment. We'll get his little thoughts on some IndyCar as well. And, uh, of course, the Pacers, the Colts, NFL, NBA, so much going on in the world of sports. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Stand by. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. It's double trouble, double the fun. At African Safari Wildlife Park in Port Clinton, Ohio, see the largest antelope on Earth, the giant eland, and the ugliest creature on Earth, the African warthog. There's so much to see and do, including the Midwest's only drive through safari. Feed the animals. See live educational shows. Feel the excitement. Have your picture taken with a python or cockatoo. Feel the adventure. Shop the Simba Lodge gift shop with items available from around the globe. Visit the snack bar or picnic facilities. Enjoy a pony or camel ride. Or cheer your favorite porker on to victory in the famous pork chop down. Bring your family to see the rare and exotic animals at African Safari Wildlife Park in Portland, Ohio. Just take Route 2 to the Route 53 North exit and follow the sign. Only 17 miles west of Cedar Point via Route 6. Open every day, rain or shine. When you don't go to Geico.com, car insurance can be confusing. Like Swedish techno confusing. Bark, bark, meow, meow. Dance with me, purple cow. 
Cow Bark Bark Meow Meow Ooh, you lovely cow Geico makes it easy. With 24-7 access, all you have to do is go to geico.com and you can save money on car insurance. It just makes sense. Unlike, you know. Dance with me, purple cow. I like your mood. When you don't go to geico.com, car insurance can be hard. Like early 90s heavy metal hard. I'm yelling and screaming and I'm laughing. Geico makes it easy. You can review and update your policy or report a claim on Geico.com or the Geico mobile app. Because shouldn't we all have a little less stress in our lives? Balance. My name is Tom Marquisel, Presidente. One hour in the books. Thank you uh, to Matthew Embry, our official IndyCar contributor, WSPT up in South Bend. Also, Tyson Lautenschlager of uh, uh, OnPitRoad.com, uh, obviously a NASCAR and IndyCar contributor for them uh, as well, and joined us to talk. Uh, well, we spent an hour talking about the new NTT IndyCar season. Now joining us now is one of my favorite guest mr matthew hicks matthew how are you sir i'm very well how are you fantastic you know how does that sound to you ntt indycar series sounds kind of weird doesn't it? <laughs> it, it it does and you know what listen i'm gonna be honest it probably doesn't sound as good as verizon indycar series but but it, it listen it sounds better than the indycar series let's put it that way and then before there was Verizon, there was the sunglass people. Uh, how, how soon oh, we forget? Oh, we could go. Well, well, we had. <laughs> you don't forget it was the pet, the pet boys. Um, That's right. Racing league. Remember that? You know. Uh, yeah, we can yeah. go back a ways, but but listen, the, this that sport, IndyCar, and I covered it for many years. Sure. Um, it's growing. I mean, compared to, I mean, I can think about when I first started covering it. Gosh, I was a producer for Trackside and did updates on, you know, on qualifying weekends and practice weekends for uh, for uh, Network Indiana and things like that. From where it was at that point to where it is now, look out. I mean, this thing's growing leaps and bounds and 24 full-time cars. That's a great number. That's really, I mean, I don't know that you'd want, Maybe maybe two or four more. I mean, you wouldn't want too much more than 24, 25, 26 cars at most of these tracks. I mean, they're in a great spot. I think it's very healthy. Um, they're poised to uh, kind of continue to eat into that North American racing viewership that they've already ate into, frankly. Uh, I think it's going to continue to grow. And I hope the partnership with NBC – I think that's, you know, if you're looking at storylines going into this season, perhaps the, the bigger story is their partnership with NBC, even more so than NTT Data. That's great. They have a title sponsor, and I, I know they'll activate because that's why you pay to be a title sponsor. But NBC's activation, and we've already seen that a little bit, I think is going to be the biggest storyline of the year and how much they promote IndyCar across their platforms. Um, with not just NBC Sports, but you know the, their 
their cable networks uh, and obviously over the air broadcasts on NBC. So it'll be very interesting. And I'm looking forward to tomorrow's race. That's a race I've been too many times. Uh, enjoyed it very much. It's a great weekend. I'm sure the crowds will be fantastic. Looks like the weather down there is going to be fantastic. And uh, there's, you know, uh, you guys, I listened to your last segment. There's, yeah, there's six, seven, ten cars that are legitimately contenders to win the race tomorrow. So I, I think it's going to be a great day. Matthew, thanks for being our only listener. I appreciate that. No, I'm just kidding. Matthew <laughs> Hicks. Uh, <laughs> Matthew Hicks uh, certainly uh, shares the uh, West Suburban grounds uh, that we share here in Indianapolis, and uh, he's our Homer card. Uh, no pun to the Simpsons at all. Uh, he may or may not like donuts and beer, but nonetheless, uh, Matthew. Let's play a little homework card before we get into some college basketball talk because we're getting into March. We're almost there. Got some March Madness and yeah. Bracketology to talk about. But the regionals, the Indiana high school basketball stuff is here. If there's anything that we yeah. like more than racing in Tenderloins is high school basketball. They made a movie about it, for God's yeah. sake. Uh, <laughs> they did, and it was a hit. You know, and you may That's have the a- order almost right, by the way. I might put Tenderloins <laughs> number one, but you're right there. Hey, really close to home, right? I mean, you know, listen, I've covered right. I've I've been lucky enough to work the IHSA Champions Radio Network for like a dozen years now. I've been so fortunate to be a sideline reporter for that for that championship game, you know, whether it be the one A, two A, three or four A. This year I'm doing the three A and four A and hey, you know, we talk local. The hometown team is still alive at ten fourteen on a Saturday morning. Let's see. You never know, right? I mean, Avon in the regional uh semis against New Pal That's and right. I think if they That's win right. I think if they win that game, though, it gets a little tougher. So we'll we'll see. But uh, hey, you never know, right? That's why, like you said, they made a movie. <laughs> hey, I tell you what, Matt's being modest here, but he's in the company of Hall of Famer broadcasters Bob Lovell. Obviously, Indiana high school basketball and football has been around him for years. So Matt's being, uh, Matt's being, uh, uh, conservatively moderate here, but certainly a, a superstar here in Indianapolis. Matt, let's talk a little bit about IU Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou? He's here. He's not here, but the exciting news for us IU fans, because I'm going to play the home card. I'm an IU guy. Everybody knows that I graduated from IU. I know you went to Indiana state, but IU has started to, finally turn things around but my question is is it a little bit too much too late well that's a, that's such a great question um it is such a great question well that's why i'm the I, host because I, I ask great it, questions that's right that's why that's right that's why i don't do a radio show anymore that's right um, <laughs> um no uh, i i think i think it is not too little too late i think now they have to win today listen there's no there is no question they must win today. And then you get into what does the committee look at in a Big Ten tournament? Do they have to win one game? Do they have to win two? I'm of the opinion they at least have to win one. Like, it's not even a conversation if they don't win two more games. I think, though, to be safe, if they make it to – what would that be next Friday? Um then they're in. I think if they get to Friday and they're still alive, I think they're in just because, frankly, the as we've started early now, this is very early, but as the conference tournaments have started, the one big leagues are staying, as of right now, one bid, and that opens up the power conferences to sneak a couple extra in. 
Um, I think if Indiana wins today, and if they win, what would that be, Wednesday and Thursday, I think they'll be in. Uh, but we'll see. It's it's tough. It's it's tough. They they have not put themselves in great position. But I think if you're the committee, you look at this team and and listen. I I don't know from a talent standpoint. There's no question they're in the top 64, let alone the top 68. I have a hunch they're going to put them in a play-in game. I know we don't call that. You know, Indianapolis, the home of the NCAA tournament. I actually are the headquarters. I actually got a phone call once. Hey, they're not called play-in games. Yeah, they are. They're playing games, well, but but no, I think uh, that's where they're going to put them. If I had a hunch. Yeah, just just for housekeeping clarification, they play tomorrow at noon. But you're right. You're absolutely right about oh, everything tomorrow. you say. I'm sorry, I keep thinking it's today. That's right. Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. We're yeah. not used to them playing on Sunday. I mean, come on. Uh, let's talk about Purdue, right. though. I mean, that's right. uh, obviously we we've had. A, I hate I hate's a strong word. I shouldn't use that word, but. I, I reserve it for teams like Purdue and New England Patriots, but I, I, I hate Purdue, but they are doing good. And Matthew Painter clearly has turned their season around. And I think a lot of people argue that Matthew Painter is going to be the big 10 coach of the year. Where are they at? As far as when you go into March, are they a three or a four or a five? I don't, I can't see them being I mean, yeah. any lower than a five. No, no, no lower than a four, I think, but, but they're, I mean, they, you know, I, they play, I think they play today, right? Um, they do play today. Yeah, I knew somebody did. Um, yeah, there's some uh, basketball game, game going on today. That's right. That's right. If they win that game, they they get a share of the Big Ten championship. They may or may not be the one seed, depending on how everything plays out. But but that's that typical thing where I mean we've seen it year after year. The committee does not pay attention, frankly, to the Big Ten tournament, uh, other than the opening few rounds. So it does not matter, I don't think, if Purdue wins the Big Ten tournament. I think they're they're probably a two or a three seed, depending on how the next week goes for them. I don't I don't think they slip to a four. Uh, they might, boy, they might. But I think they're a two or a three, depending on how the next several days go for them. Is that you get in, or are they just uh, playing for a uh, NIT uh, support my, group? My, <laughs> My hunch is the way they're playing, the, the way they're playing, and the talent they have. I mean, the, the committee sees two legit, maybe three, well, probably three, legitimate and maybe more NBA players, and the committee, the committee loves that stuff. I think, I think if they continue to win, like I said, probably three more, they're in, I, and two more, and they might get in. Um, they played so well. They, you know, they really look at that last ten thing. They played really well over the last 10, and, and they're a couple of points away from being on a heck of a run. So, I, yeah, I think I, my gut tells me they make it, unless they regress and play like they did midseason and lose to Rutgers and lose their first-round tournament game. Then, yeah, they won't make it. But Yeah, that's what you get, get into the conversations about the quad one, quad two, and quad three uh, wins. We're joined by uh, Matthew, Matthew Hicks, uh, freelancer guy we used to say of 1070 the fan but i know you're doing your freelance uh, stuff and and your band stuff and you're just all, all around and we're so glad that, that you've That's right. been able to join us <laughs> we're gonna have to go off the homework go back to our national card because we're a national show let's talk a little bit about duke though and and zion williamson and the shoe explosion and put on your tinfoil hat here 
I think that there's a conspiracy here. They don't want to play Zion Williamson because they know he's not going to come back. And they think that they might be able to sneak into a number one seed, but I still think they're hovering around a number three seed. Zion Williamson, Duke, Coach K, let's talk conspiracy here because there's no way a flag can wave on the moon with no gravity or no no air. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I, Duke has kind of handled this injury thing in recent years similarly. They, they, you know, they won't put a, you know, he's out for five games, he's out for two weeks. They just say he's out indefinitely. And they've done that consistently for the last couple of years now. Um, the, re, the crazy thing about Duke is they're probably good enough without him to be a one seed, uh, especially if they run the table here in the ACC uh, for the rest of the season. Now they, they play UNC um, here coming up. That's a tough game for them because of the uh, uh, rivalry, you know, um, but we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see. I, I have a feeling that he'll play in college again. Um, I don't know. You know, I don't know if he will or not, but I, I have a feeling he is going to play. Um, uh, at least in the tournament, what better way to showcase that he's the number one overall pick, unless he's already been told, and let's, let's not let's not pretend this doesn't happen, unless he's not already been told by you know NBA people, hey dude, you're the number one pick, don't don't chance missing tying your rookie season, and and that's hard to argue with too. This rule is about to go away, and I think it's probably time the one and done rule. I and I've heard rumors that, and I'm sure you have too, that it's you know it's a year or two away from going away, and I and I think it's time to. It's not. I don't know that it's really served its purpose. It's it certainly helped some kids, but like Zion Williamson, like this guy clearly was ready to go in the NBA, and you know we'll see what kind of career he has. I'm not you know anointing him the next LeBron James or anything like that, but but he's good enough to play in the NBA right now. There's not a question. So um, we'll see. I don't know. My my gut tells me he plays another couple games in college, though. We'll see. Well, we'll get into some more bracketology after uh, Selection Sunday next week. And certainly we'll look at where Virginia's at. We'll look at the top four seats. And then we'll look at see if Indiana gets in. Uh, I think if they continue down the path, they win tomorrow. They do well in the tournament. As you said, uh, people look for Romeo to be in the NBA as well as others. They'll be there. So we'll, we'll get off of that, and we'll get into uh, some NBA talk. Let's talk a little bit about the Pacers. I know that's a homer card, but it's still the NBA a NBA conversation. We look at the Celtics kind of taking a slope down. We look at the Cavaliers not doing crap since LeBron went to L.A., which, oh, by the way, L.A.'s not doing crap with LeBron, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> what are your thoughts about the East, the NBA, and where are we at with the playoffs? Well, when I say listen, we, I mean the Pacers. What, what, I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, the, 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 um, the, the reality of this is, uh, by the way, Philadelphia loses again yesterday. That doesn't hurt the Pacers' situation at all. They're now a full game into third and, and, and not playing as well as you'd like them to right now. So they, uh, going into tomorrow's game with Philadelphia, can really put some pressure on Philadelphia to, to uh, stay behind them. As you said, Boston, is now, you know, they got two games up on Boston, and they are, they are you know, kind of quickly approaching that clinch number to make the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to hit 50 wins. You know, I don't get into that a whole lot. I'd like to see them finish third or fourth. 
uh, when you talk about the Pacers. But listen, the reality of it is, this is an old Mark Boyle line. He said it for a long time. I'm going to steal it. Milwaukee has Giannis out of the Kumpo, and you don't. And that's the reality of the East this year. You know, unfortunately, his ascendant to best, maybe, best player in the NBA, but at the very least, best player in the Eastern Conference, uh, his ascent coincided with LeBron's exit of the East. And the reality of it is, is their team around him is, is pretty good. And he's far and away the best player in the East. And, and I think it would be wonderful for the Pacers to advance to an Eastern Conference final to play Milwaukee. And you never know in a seven-game series if you get the right matchup. I think Thad Young plays him well. Um, I like when they put Thad Young on him, but you saw, what was it, Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday night? Um, yeah, they're, they're just – they're a really good team, and that's a tough matchup for the Pacers. They're deep. They're as deep as Indiana, maybe even one guy deeper or two guys deeper. And Milwaukee is, to me, the class of the East. Toronto is not bad. To me, that is a really – especially with the changes they've made to that team, bringing in Marcus Gasol, uh, Marcus Gasol. Yeah, Marcus Gasol, right. Uh, Gasol went to Milwaukee. Uh, Bringing in Marcus Gasol to Toronto and and the other minor changes they've made um, around Kawhi Leonard. That's a really intriguing team. I like them to give Milwaukee in the conference finals a matchup, but they have to get past Indiana, and I don't think that's a given, by the way. I, I, I would favor Toronto slightly in that matchup because they'll have likely home court. There's about four or, what, five games um, separating – yeah, it's five games separating Toronto and Indiana. I don't think Indiana at this point with 16, 17 games left can catch them. Um, but you never know. An injury can change everything, as you've seen with the Pacers. Um, but mm-hmm. the Pacers are, really haven't missed a beat without Oladipo uh, in some respects. Don't get me wrong. You're much better with him than without him. But I don't know that there's changed without him. And that, I don't mean any at all disrespect to this Pacer team. I just think, you, you know, they, they outmatch most teams at every position except one. Uh, I don't know that they have a better player than Kawhi Leonard, and I don't know that they have a better player than Giannis Antetokounmpo. With Oladipo in, you you like that matchup to be a lot closer and maybe able to steal some games, but I'm just not sure without Oladipo that they can really make a legit run to the to the World Championship Series uh, in the NBA Finals. But I think they can go to the Conference Finals. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Um, I'm not a huge believer in Philadelphia. I think it was too little too late. Um, they brought in, there's just a lot of pieces there and I'm just not sure they're going to mesh in enough time. They play well, but can they play well enough to beat a Milwaukee in the second round? I don't think so, quite frankly. Um, and I think Philadelphia will probably find themselves in that four or five seed. They can beat Boston. I don't think there's any pro- Boston. You know, Boston's in, in trouble. They're falling apart. They don't have any cohesive unity at this point. There's some issues there. I think I think they're a slow start next season away from making a coaching change. I, but I don't know that. But it just it seems like thing to change at this point rather than blowing the team completely up. Um, well, a Brooklyn lot of people – good. Brooklyn is – go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go right ahead. I was going to – I was just no, going, going down the list here. Uh, Boston, you know, Boston is a team that I don't think they can put it together fast enough to make a run. Detroit, uh, same thing, not really a big believer in that team. They've got a great front court. Uh, back court is an issue. 
Brooklyn is sneaky good, but I don't think they can win a seven-game season a series against any of the teams that, that, that fall above them. And then, I don't know, throw a blanket over Miami, Orlando, and Charlotte, and you've got your eighth seed, and, and they'll, they'll get swept by Milwaukee in the first round. Well, Milwaukee, what I was going to say, Milwaukee, if you do much deer hunting, no pun intended, but mo- mo- the way you kill a deer is not uh, loudly. You kill a deer very stealthily, and I love deer hunting, one of my favorite things to do. And, and you, don't, you don't just come up on a deer and say, hi, Mr. Deer, uh, and do an Elmer Fudd and, and shoot him. You, you literally have to stealth and come up, come up. And that's what the Milwaukee Bucks uh, have done this year. Nobody started talking about the Milwaukee Bucks to what three weeks ago, but yet they have probably the NBA MVP on their team. They're on their way to a championship, and that's because they've done it stealthily. If we could, not selfishly, but we could even have that argument. They've not done it selfishly; they've done it stealthily, uh, and that is a deep thought that's going to give me a migraine. But what are your thoughts? <laughs> well, you're, you're no, no, you're, you're right. I mean, they've got a guy. If, if let's put it this way, if their season is going to be derailed, it's because Chris Middleton shoots too much. And I don't know if people share that opinion with me or not, but I think he, I think he tends to try to dominate the ball occasionally and take over games. Um, if you're a Pacer fan, think Lance Stevenson to an extent, great player, great player. Uh, but, but at the same time, like he can, he can kind of deep. I mean, he lost a couple of games for them that I've watched this season just by not getting the ball to Giannis Antetokounmpo. But you're, to your point, you're right. I mean, they kind of quickly and quietly put together a great team. Um, you know, Lopez kind of transforming himself in L.A. last year and getting over here to the East. He's playing outstanding basketball, stretching the floor, um, a legit three-point uh, threat on uh, Kumpo. And then you've got this great bench. You've got George Hill and, you know, these guys coming off their bench that are just, you know, phenomenal players and, and good leaders. And I think you're you're right. Anadokounmpo is a guy that you know they they probably only have one superstar, but he's the type of guy that you can win with just having one superstar. I I like that team. I don't know that they can play with Houston or Milwaukee. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Houston or Golden State. I think they can give them some games. I I you know I I still kind of have that opinion that. Um, Golden State is going to run away with this thing eventually, but Houston's playing well and, and playing well enough to give you a little pause in that in that category. I don't, and I'm not. I'm sorry. I don't believe in in OKC, Oklahoma City. I, I know they're the third seed and they should. They deserve that's, some respect. Right. You're reading my mind, but go but ahead. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just. I'm still. First off, I'm a bitter man. I I just live a bitter. I was getting man ready to say life. we can't say that name, but he's <laughs> he's certainly doing better in in, in Oklahoma than he did in Indianapolis. But we cannot say the he, name. But I think we all know who we're talking about. <laughs> no, and, and, no, he is. He is. He's legitimately going to finish second or third in the um, in the MVP voting. I mean, there's no question. He's 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 playing very well. I just don't think they have the firepower to get past Houston or. Golden State. And for those of us that aren't located here in the west suburbs of Indianapolis, uh, we speak of he as PG. Well, we'll go ahead and say it. Paul George. George. Uh, Is is a better Thunder than a Pacer? I don't know, but he could have stayed here. But we're not bitter. We we don't don't know how to grudge. We just don't speak of his name anymore. (laughs) No, no. And listen, you know, 
I, I, I still maintain if they had not traded him, he would still be here. The, and that's why he's in Oklahoma City. The money that he would have gotten to stay is so much more than he would have gotten to leave. I know he said, well, I wouldn't have stayed in Indiana. I, I would bet all my little pile of money, which is, by the way, very little, um, <laughs> that he would have stayed Mine too. Here. I, I, I really, really, yeah. We can put it together even. I, yeah, I think he would have stayed here. I, I just don't have a question about that because it was – what is it? It's like it ends up being like 30 or $40 million more. That's a ton of money for a guy who had a career-threatening injury. So I, he would have stayed here. But you know what? The Pacers are better off. Oklahoma City's better off. It's, 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 it's been fine. Sometimes it's okay to just get rid of that ex-girlfriend and move on, isn't it? <laughs> it, it so, listen, you know it. You know it. Um, so – Speaking of, of of superstars and what they thought they were going to accomplish, and let's make no bones about it, Paul George wanted to be in L.A., wanted to play with LeBron James, but we see LeBron James in L.A. They're not even going to make – they're not even going to – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they just set LeBron James for the rest of the season. LeBron James, the Lakers, they have gone off the rails and into the ravine, and nobody's even looking at them anymore. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they made a splash this week with LeBron. Gosh, it's amazing. I, I say already, but, but man, the past Michael Jordan is, is something special. There's no question. He's going to pass Kobe next year if he if he plays as well as he has been, um, which is just uh, – listen, it's phenomenal. And LeBron is a hard guy not to like, but I found a way. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, we always find a way not to no, like LeBron. I, There's always a way not to not like right. LeBron. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but listen, the reality of, of the way the NBA works is, you know, the Lakers are not going to make the playoffs this year. They're going to get a what tenth pick in the draft ish. Uh, that won't affect them heavily for next season. But if they're able to shed cap space, which I think they'll be able to, uh, they're going to land a superstar. I don't know who it's going to be. Maybe it's maybe God. Wouldn't it be funny if it was Kyrie Irving? Uh, but it, it's going to be somebody, and they're going to be instantly right back in the mix next year. Um, so enjoy this one-year hiatus from them dominating the headlines uh, as the season wraps up over the next, uh, what, six weeks. So let's get into some combine talk here in just a second. But real quickly, uh, the NFL, I mean, NBA championships, uh, Golden State and insert name who here. <laughs> I'm sorry, one more time. I said uh, NBA championship, uh, Golden State versus insert name here. Who would that be? Yeah, Milwaukee. Yeah, Milwaukee. And I think it goes – I mean, you know, as we're, where we are right now, I think it's a five-game series. Uh, but, but maybe, you know, listen, I, Milwaukee's going to improve as they play together. Their, their additions at the trade deadline were so savvy, I thought. I mean, but it takes time. It takes about 25 to 35 days and then – uh, yeah, 20-some games to come together. So we'll see um, if they do that and they, they do indeed improve. But uh, Mirtek and Pau Gasol, great additions at the deadline. And uh, I, I think they can they'll, – they'll win the East. It's a matter of will they contend with that Western Conference matchup. Talking with Matthew Hicks real quickly here before we, we wrap it up with you. Let's talk about the NFL. Obviously, the Combine's been here in town all weekend, the Underwear Olympics, if you will. Uh, a big, big talk <laughs> yeah. about uh, uh, A.B. And, and some other things going on in the NFL and Collins, uh, maybe some talk around there with the Colts. But what are your takeaways from the 2019 
underwear Olympics, or as we like to say, the NFL Combine? Well, I think obviously the big story is Kyler Murray, uh, even though he didn't really work out. Um, uh, but but kind of spurning the from athletics to play in the NFL is um, is big. Uh, that's that's big big news, and uh, I think it's kind of interesting um, from from the top down what happens uh, with what was Arizona do and what trade does that. Um, inspire Arizona to do. I, I think that's that's a very interesting story. As we move forward, do they take Tyler Murray with the number one pick overall? Uh, do they do they go with uh, Nick Bosa, um, the kind of the premier pass rusher in this whole thing from Ohio State? So um, we'll see. I don't know. It'll be interesting. And then you 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 the Colts kind of have to do that wait and see because um, it's obviously going to be a little while before they pick, and that's a great place for them to be in. They have one piece, though, that I think is interesting as we get into the draft here, and we can talk about free agency if you'd like, but as as they get into the draft, they have a backup quarterback that is pretty darn good, and I don't know as the the chess pieces move around, I don't know that he's going to be in big demand, but if he indeed is, uh, that might land you as high as another second round pick and they've already got a couple. So that could be interesting to see if they get a third and second round pick, do they package that to move up in the draft? Do they just take three second round picks? Um, we'll see. It'll be interesting to see what they, what they wind up doing in the draft, but there's a lot of great, there's a lot of great prospects. I, I kind of have my eye on AJ Brown, a wide receiver from Ole Miss um, kind of clearly um, one of the wide receivers that could fall to them. Um, with that uh, 20, what is it, 26th pick, um, a lot of people feel like they need to go safety. Um, that could be addressed with a free agency. We, you talked about Landon Collins. I think that's at least possible. The reality of it is, is they're not going to spend a ton of money, but they have to spend some. The NFL requires you to have a salary floor, and they're not there yet. So they'll have to spend some money. There's, there's no question about that. They did bring back Marcus Hunt which I think is another great signing uh, for, for this team. But, but they got to spend some money, so it'll be very interesting to see who they spend it on. You know, a lot of people were, were all worked up about Kyle Murray's height, whether or not he was tall yeah. enough to go number one. I, you know, that's a big thing. A lot of people don't realize that. But And put on your tinfoil hat again. A lot of people thought, well, maybe he put, on, he put in some uh, heel implants to make him look taller. Here's the thing. Whenever you can make your choice between playing Major League Baseball or playing in the NFL, you choose the NFL, that's your choice. I, I personally think he probably would have did better in the MLB, although the, the, the stardom may have been a little bit slower. It's like driving a four-cylinder as, as opposed to an eight-cylinder. Once you get her up to speed, I mean, it, it, it flies. And I think once you get him up to speed, I think he was – Less would be less prone to injury and make more money to be a superstar in the MLB than he would in the NFL. But he chose to go with the NFL, and the Cardinals uh, now have a choice to make. And do they want to continue with Josh Rosen? I think they could still trade off that number one spot and still possibly end up with with uh, Kyler Murray because if they trade it off to a team that doesn't need a quarterback, they could still get uh, Kyler Murray and uh, some other people in, in the mix. So we'll see what happens. Let's talk about Collins. Uh, the um, 
the Giants said, hey, we're going to let you just go ahead and go. Uh, you do where, what you got to do, where you got to go. But Ballard and and Reich and Ursay have got to put their heads together and figure out a way to bring him to to the Colts. Well, he does seem to make a lot of sense, doesn't he? I mean, I mean, no, 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 no think about it, Matt, 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 think about it. We had him here. We had the ability yeah. to draft him. Not, not to say that, that the decision not to draft him was a bad decision, but it's kind of like one of those situations like, hey, we could have had you before, but we don't have you now. But now we can have you now. Let's, let's, let's right a wrong, if you will. Go ahead. You know, the reality of it is you'd be giving him his second contract yourself. So this really isn't crazy. I mean, the only thing you're going to have to do is compete against other teams to get him. And I don't know what the market – The mar, listen, there's a ton of safeties out there too, by the way. But you're right. Uh, they, they could have had him. And, you can, yeah, you can kind of correct an error from a previous regime at this point. I think he fits in well with this team. You know, you, you know th- what you have to remember, and I, I heard somebody on the radio say, well, they got to get a cover, you know, lockdown cover corner. No, they have to have very strong safety play. They've got strong linebacker play. They, what they miss from, from that cover two, the Tampa two that Dungey ran for all those years, they're missing strong safety play, and they're missing edge rushers. So th- that's what they need. They've got the linebacking play. They've got – I mean, they've got a perfect linebacker – in this system and in Darius Leonard, they need a little help uh, interior at uh, the interior linebacker, but I mean, they can get that here through the draft and maybe even through free agency, but they need an edge rusher, another one. Um, and they need, they need safety help because listen, Malik Hooker is a guy. I think he's going to have a long career in this league. I think you're going to go at some point, he's going to play for another team. Uh, maybe it's the Colts, by the way, maybe he'll, he'll, he'll bounce back from a, Disappointing sophomore <laughs> campaign. I saw but, what you did there. But by the way, yeah, yeah. Um, but but uh, but but regardless, I, I think that he uh, he he did not live up to the scheme. And Landon Collins is a guy that can fit in this scheme. You you think very very well. And I I, I think it, it, again, it, it looks like a no brainer. They've got all the money in China to almost, I and mean, they got 105 million dollars to spend. I don't want to see him spend it on somebody like Antonio Brown or a Le'Veon Bell. I mean, I think they've got running back situations fine. They need a wide receiver, but I don't think with Deion Kane coming back, and if you truly do believe in him as much as you're saying, you don't bring in an Antonio Brown. You bring in somebody that's more of a placeholder um, to, to, to get him healthy. You spend your money on your defense at this point. There's some free agents out there available that I think can really help your defense. Matt, you mentioned uh, Bell and Brown and, and that – shifts focus to as the world turns around the Pittsburgh Steelers, <laughs> Antonio Brown, uh, a lot of drama surrounding him and the bills and, and now the Raiders and, and, and we don't know where, where he's going to end up at. A lot of people, uh, this, this uh, silent coup, if you will, with the bills. Uh, but apparently <laughs> yeah. AB's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm not going to play no. for the bills. I want, I want to yeah, play for the Raiders. Or who, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they got themselves in a pickle between the two of them. Let's 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 settle the case here right now. Bale goes where Brown goes where. Let's play some football. Bell is not going to get the money that he expects to get. I think Bell. Okay, I'm going to make some wild predictions. <laughs> Bell winds up in either San Francisco Breaking news. or my, 
oh, yeah, this is just probably none of this is going to happen. But I think Bell winds up in San Francisco or Miami. And then I think Antonio Brown winds up in. Oh, I think they talked themselves. Out. I think they right talked in themselves the into it. Yep, I think they talked themselves into it, and he goes to the Tennessee Titans. Speaking of the AFC South, one, I think we're going to see them tougher than they've ever been, especially now uh, with the addition of Nick Foles to the Jacksonville Jaguars, which only makes sense for them anyway. Yeah, I don't begrudge them. It's just yeah. we just don't want him playing. We don't want any good players playing in the AFC South. Let's just let's just say right. that, and mm-hmm. let's just admit that. But but the AFC South is going to be a strong con- competitor, especially if AB goes to the to uh, the Titans, you've got uh, uh, Jolly Old St. Nick at the Jacksonville Jaguars, AFC South. What, what say you going into 2019? Well, well listen, I, I think it is uh, still it's a two-team uh, uh, division. Uh, I, I like what Jacksonville did bringing Nick Foles, but the reality of it is he's never played well outside of Philadelphia. He's got to prove that. Uh, that not to say he won't, but he's got to prove it. Um, I still think they are a they are a hot dumpster fire mess. They are the worst team in the division still. Um, they'll win more games, I think, but not more than six or seven. Uh, Tennessee, I, I can't figure Tennessee out. They should be better than they are. They 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 look to me still now. Obviously, the offseason's got a long way to go, but they still look to me as a, as a 500 team. And then you look at Houston and Indianapolis, and uh, Houston's really good. Now, they're aging on defense, and I think we saw that as the season progressed. But uh, I like Houston. I think they can contend for the division, but the, the uh, paced mode that the Colts are going in, they are not doing what the previous regime made the mistake on. The previous regime made the conference finals, right? They, they get blown out by New England, and they think, oh, my gosh, we are two skill position players away from contending. And they go out and they get Frank Gore, which Frank Gore was a great pickup uh, in, in reality, and Andre Johnson. Yeah, and you think absolutely. Andre Johnson is going to have this, this great season. You know, I thought he was going to catch 70 balls for 700 yards. And it was going to be – we all thought it was great, right? We can't lie. It did not work. I think also what that did is I think it sent the wrong message to the team. Like they were skipping a step. But we're good now. We're, we're, they almost they believe their own hype. I'm not talking about luck. I'm not talking about Hilton. I'm talking about the rank and file player. I, I think it it almost it, it's like they skipped a step. And I think this group knows better. And I think they're going to improve. But I, I don't know that they're going to jump right into the the legit Super Bowl contention status this year. But the reality of it is. They got a guy, Andrew Luck, who might be the third best quarterback in the league, and by the end of next year, might be the best. It's hard to say, right? And they got oh an offensive line. Oh my goodness, he, he is definitely. <laughs> and they got an offensive line that is unbelievable. We're talking about Matthew Hicks, Matthew. I know we ran over a little bit of time talking uh, with you, so if you can still hang with us a little bit, I want to talk a little bit about just the the free agency market that's going going on. Let's uh, go over a little bit. Uh, in, in the AFC, we'll stay in the AFC with the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, predictions, I'm just kind of going with predictions. I don't really know. But I think that Nick Boyle tied in uh, for the for the Ravens, gets a three-year contract extension, doesn't go to the, the free agency world. Thoughts? Yeah, like that. Um, 
they are they are transforming their team into a rush first team with Jackson. They move on from Flacco. Um, Flacco goes to Denver. Keenum goes to Washington. The little quarterback carousel. Um, so that'll be interesting to see if that affects the Colts at all and their ability. If they'd like to even make a trade with the backup quarterback, they may not. I, and I don't blame them if they don't. Um, we don't really need but, to, but yeah. Well, no, but it doesn't ever hurt, though. I mean, you've got an asset that obviously you're not going to bring back for big money. So, you know, you, you look, you explore it, I think, at the very least. Uh, but r- regardless, uh, Baltimore made an interesting move letting Eric Weddle go. Um, yeah, he's think, over uh, at the Rams yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think yeah I think it'll be interesting to see how they proceed uh, the rest of their off season because they obviously want to build that into a uh, dominating defense again to go along with uh, a rush first offense. I think they want to play some ball control, low scoring games, but but they're key. And and I hate to it, it's a quarterback's league. I mean that's the reality of it. Lamar Jackson has to prove he can pass in the pocket, and if he can do that they'll be right up with everybody else in the AFC North. So the coast decided to go ahead and, and re-sign defensive lineman, uh, 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 Marcus Hunt. Awesome decision, by the way. But what are your thoughts? Mm-hmm. Because he probably could have made more money with a different team. That shows me that players like Marcus Hunt, defensive lineman for the Colts, likes playing here in Indianapolis, likes the chemistry, likes where they're going. And let's face it, they've got a Super Bowl in their future. Maybe not next year, maybe not this year, but in yeah. the very near future. Yeah, and I think you're going to see that. You know, you always see that in the NBA, right? Like, oh, I want to go play for that contender. I mean, the Colts are a contender. There's no question. And that does allow them to get some players that they may have not gotten otherwise, you know, that that would, would not maybe give the Colts a second look. And I think that'll be interesting to see what kind of veterans – uh, Ballard brings in with that in mind, but I think Hunt, that's a great signing. I mean, he's a guy that just, you know, just a workhorse going to get you what you ask for, do what you ask. Great, great player. Um, had a great impact on this season. And, and, and I think he's the type of guy that, you know, they like to do that defensive line rotation. I don't think he cares if he starts. He just wants to be out there when he can and do his job. And you just can't have enough players like that. And, no, he's not going to be a you know a pro bowler. You don't think, um, but but he's going to get you six eight sacks, and he's going to get you some quarterback pressures. He's a sure tackler, and that's what you need. I mean, that's the guys you need. So uh, Brandon Graham stays with the with the Eagles, obviously the de- de- defensive end for the Eagles. Huge huge addition with the Eagles. The Eagles may may have gotten disappointed last year in the in the Super Bowl hangover, but I I I, I still see the Eagles being a very big contender in the NFC. Yeah, I do too. Um, <laughs> I think with Carson Wentz being back to full strength, uh, they've got some offensive issues to work through. I don't think there's any question, but defensively they'll be they'll be good enough. And you're right. I think. I, I just don't buy Dallas. I'm sorry. Maybe I should more, but I don't buy Dallas. I think they're good. They're not great. Um, Washington is a hot mess with their quarterback situation. Uh, Keenum might be better for them than Alex Smith would have been, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but I, I still don't think they're uh, a contender for that division. And I don't know what's going on in New York. And if you do, let me know. 
because the fact that they let Landon Collins walk is shocking to me. I just I couldn't believe they let a guy like that walk. But but and then you know and then you know people have mentioned well you might be able to get Beckham if you if you throw the world at him. Why would you want him? I mean he's a mess too. You never know when he's healthy. Lord, when he's healthy he's great, but that's a big win uh, and a big if. So you know I I think Philadelphia is kind of the kind of like the clear class of that division at where we stand right now. But obviously a lot of things can change heading through the draft and free agency. My, my, my thing with New York and the giants, I mean, Eli Manning, great quarterback, obviously it's a great pedigree, if you will, not to refer to him as an animal or a horse or a dog, but great pedigree certainly knows football and, and, great family and and has done a great job there in New York. And I know he's won you a Super Bowl, but I kind of think that the the Giants and Eli Manning are like your friend who you know is dating a really bad person and you want them to just stop dating that person (laughs) so that their life gets better. That's the the situation that I look at with with the Giants and and maybe not directly connected, but somewhat connected. They've decided that they're going to stay with Eli Manning and we got to pay Eli Manning and because he's a Super Bowl champion and look what he's done for us in the past. And I, I, I kind of yeah. go to the Janet Jackson song, what have you done for me lately? I don't know that Eli Manning is even an NFL quarterback anymore, but I certainly don't believe that he needs to be with the Giants. And But the Giants are making <sighs> the decision to move forward with him, and, and they maybe that was part of the – Maybe it was an indirect collateral damage with Collins that says, hey, we're going to let you walk because we can't afford to pay you because we want to keep Eli Manning. Indirectly, maybe that was the reason, but I still think and – and when I get off the show, I'm going to call Ballard. I'm going to say, you're, you're on with Collins, right? Of course, I'm not going to do that, but <laughs> – he, he, he won't take my call because he's, he's in a meeting. I, I've called him three times this week, and he's in a meeting. No, I'm just kidding. He's got a really yeah, good gatekeeper, yeah. but nonetheless. That was always right to call Bill Pullian. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's in a meeting. Yeah, he's in a meeting. But nonetheless, in all seriousness yeah. aside, Ballard, Ursay, and Reich have got to figure out a way. And, and again, nothing against Hooker, but, I mean, Hooker has not proved to be the most healthiest person that the Colts have. He's a great. He was a great yeah. pickup from Ohio State. He certainly is a a destructive force on the field when he's on the field. But we got to have somebody else yeah. when he's not on the field, which appears to be uh, the, more the norm than not the norm. So Collins is yeah. an ideal fit here. Again, I go back to let's right or wrong. Yeah. No, you're right. Back to Eli. You know, it's. It's a tough thing because you want, gosh, you want these guys. You want it. You want the end of their career to time out perfectly, and it just it doesn't do that. I mean, the great example was seven years ago. I think it was this past week. You know, here's a guy that won you a Super Bowl, pretty much kept your team in the city it's in, and you got to let him go because you don't know if he can still play. And he had a few years left. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. But remember Peyton's year, that last year in Denver, what a mess that was. They benched him. Now they said he was hurt. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe he was hurt or if he wasn't, but the reality was they benched the guy. He was healthy to play at some point in that season, and they stuck with Osweiler until the very end. They bring back Manning, and he was not the same quarterback. Now they managed to win that game on defense, and he won a Super Bowl. But but the reality of it was. 
timing is everything, and sometimes it works out, and, and more often than not, it doesn't work out, and you've got to make a really tough call. And Eli Manning, I think, is that same spot with the Giants. It's, it's, can, he, can he lead a team to a championship still? I, I don't know. I don't know that he can, or he can't, but he can't lead the Giants to a Super Bowl, to your point. I think that's what you were saying, and, and that's so true. Yeah. It's, it's, that, that, that curtain is closed there for him. Uh, but but maybe he could somewhere else, and he doesn't want to go anywhere else. So here we are, at an impasse. We've been talking with Matthew Hicks. Matthew, I, I appreciate you joining us. I know we went over time with you a little bit. I appreciate you for indulging us uh, uh, in, in that. Uh, but Matthew Hicks, uh, uh, freelance, superb guy. Where can I? Where where, where can people find your work, your masterpieces? Uh, and maybe they don't want to talk sports with you, but they can talk. Uh, uh, <laughs> One time at band camp, but go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. No, 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 it's just a magical night, you know. I mean, it, you know that it, it is, and yeah. and the and all the games are great. But let's let's just, you know, it's hard to say what game is going to be the best of the day. You never know going in. But there is something about that second session that's just a little special, and uh, it's it'll be a fun night. Oh, absolutely, Matt. We appreciate you joining us, and uh, we got the kickoff weekend of NTT IndyCar season in St. Yeah. Pete. Who's our winner? Boy, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think you can list 10, 11 guys and not be wrong, but uh, it's hard to bet against Andretti Autosport. Hunter Ray was fastest yesterday, and, uh, boy, I like Rossi. But I'm going to go with a little bit of a dark horse, a great name. Uh, how about Marco Andretti? Whew. Marco Andretti and victory but, hey, circle. When, you, when, did, when did we see that last? By the way, <laughs> it, well, it's been a little while. Uh, but let me give you, if you're a betting man, let me give you an upset special. Spencer Piggott. Ooh, that is an upset. Well, upset special. Yeah, never know. My upset, my upset special would be Charlie Kimball, but that's neither here nor there. I, I like think Charlie. I like him too, though. I, I oh think, my God, he's a I good agree. racer, and he's got a good car this year. We'll see. I, I've been watching the qualifications in the background here, but I haven't quite uh, nailed down anybody yet. But I tell you what. I'm, I'm going to go – I'm just going to go out there and, and make the bold prediction that Graham Rahal wins in St. Petersburg tomorrow. They're all oh, picks. Well, it is right. Wonderful for, wonderful for, you know, his team and, and, and Bob and, and all those guys would be wonderful for. But, but uh, what a wonderful thing for the series. It would be great to, to get somebody off the beaten path a little bit as far as teams goes. Obviously, Rahal is one of the more recognizable names. But, but uh, that would be, that'd be a great win for the series. Absolutely. All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. And right. uh, you're always welcome. You've always got a warm seat here at the balance, sir. All well, right, buddy. We'll that, talk Tom. to you we'll soon. Talk soon. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Matthew Hicks uh, joins us. Uh, obviously, uh, been around the indie radio here. He's one of my old time about radio buddies. And I, I, I love talking with him. My name is Tom Microsoft, Presidente. We got to wrap it up, put a bow on it. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. We'll see you next week. We do this thing called The Balance every, every Saturday. Uh, we'll see you soon.
<laughs> and Q. And Q. There we go. All right. I'm out of here. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.